to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder, one of the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. My fellow co-producer, Sarah Severson, is off chasing stories right now, but she should be back pretty soon, and hopefully she'll bring back my butterfly net. Hmm. The story you're about to hear was told by Aaron Bird at our live storytelling event in October when the theme was Forces. Aaron spent his childhood in Louisiana, then moved to Durango, Colorado for high school. He enjoys camping and hiking, but usually if he isn't baking at Durango Natural Foods or pouring drinks at the 8th Avenue Tavern, you'll find him at home, reading, writing, or playing Dungeons and Dragons with his roommates. Here's Aaron's story. Hello. So, uh, once upon a time. Uh, <laughs> A few years ago, um, well, this is a story that I've talked about a lot over the last few years without really ever saying anything at all. Um, This is a more personal version that's not in any of the police reports. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So a few years ago, my friend had a birthday, which he does every year, but I'm talking about a specific one tonight. Um, and every year for his birthday, we would go out to Lake Navajo um, and ski and wakeboard. Mostly he would. I'm really uncoordinated. That's not my thing. And drink beer and make burgers, and I'm great at that. Uh, and then we would take the party into downtown Durango and uh, continue to just get irresponsibly drunk there, <laughs> as young people do. Um, <laughs> so. We did what we do, you know, we went out to Lake Navajo, then we brought the party back to Durango, and uh, when things get really interesting, I was sitting at the bar, and the bartender looks up to me, and he says, hey Aaron, it looks like Kitty's having some trouble. Kitty is my friend, it was his birthday. Uh, we call him Kitty because he is a giant hairy monster. Uh, <laughs> and so Jerome the bartender says, looks like Kitty's having some trouble. And I look out the bar window, and I see my good friend Kitty in that classic drunk young guy pose, the fighting stance, arms out, face presented, (laughs) perfect form. Uh, (laughs) And so I was like, oh shit. (laughs) So I went outside to uh, jump in or intervene, depending on who I'm telling the story to and how cool I want to (laughs) look. And... uh, There was an altercation, both physical and verbal, at the end of which uh, our foes had escaped. Kitty was fairly badly beaten, and I was bleeding fairly profusely from a knife wound in my neck. Uh, Yeah, right? Um, (laughs) uh, So at this point, (laughs) I'm going to point out that I don't really like the word miracle, but There were a few things that happened that evening that were just so astronomically unlikely that, I don't know. Uh, So I got stabbed. And (laughs) I was sitting down, leaning against the wall of the bar, and uh, not really dawning on me how badly I was hurt yet. Um, Some guys came out, and I remember, memory is such a funny thing and not really important here. This is kind of what I remember slash things I've been told. It's not really important for the purposes. But what I do remember is like this guy with a stack of bar rags just holding my neck and like pressing, trying to keep me from bleeding too much. Uh, That guy was an EMT who happened to have just got off shift and decided to go have a drink at that particular bar that particular evening. Miracle. (laughs) 
Um, and uh, another thing I remember is being very frustrated that no one was talking to me, everyone was talking about me. And if you've ever been drunk, too drunk, you know how annoying that is. <laughs> um, and people talking about calling an ambulance, and I was in shock. So I was like, no, fuck that. This is bullshit, I can't afford that shit. Just give me a ride. Uh, <laughs> And even when I looked down, I was wearing a shirt very similar to this one, you know, black sleeves but white on the front. Even looking down and seeing the whole kind of front left portion just totally red from my blood, it still didn't occur to me that maybe I was pretty badly hurt. Um, <laughs> the ambulance showed up. I was still I was very upset about that. Uh, they put me on the gurney and put me in there and. Uh, through a litany of curses and drunken slurring, um, at some point I said, why are my feet wet? And without missing a beat, the paramedic, he's still working on me, uh, he goes, that's your blood, man. And as I was kind of laying there in that pool of rusty water that is what keeps us all up and about and sitting here tonight, I thought quietly for the first time to myself that night, uh, this might be bad. <laughs> and they got me to the hospital, still completely belligerent, being wild. It, the, the party was still on. They were pushing me through the <laughs> hospital. They actually set, because uh, they, they keep blood in those little six-pack coolers. They actually do this. <laughs> They put one between my legs, and at the height of hilarity, I was like, Oh, you brought me more beer! Woo! Not funny to the doctor. Um, <laughs> the doctor was sort of sitting on the, on the gurney, like, holding, like, my neck. I was bleeding everywhere. Um, the guy had nicked my carotid artery. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he had his fingers in my neck, and I was swearing at him and yelling, Happy birthday, kitty! And they were all saying, Mr. Bird, please shut the fuck up. <laughs> they finally get me into the OR. Um, they called the guy in. He had jokingly put himself on call. He was a regional expert on traumatic arterial repair. Just in town for the weekend to give a seminar, put himself on call as a joke. Miracle number two. <laughs> uh, so I woke up the next day in sort of a pharmaceutical haze. and. Um, I woke up to uh, one of the blood tech guys, uh, like, wow, they didn't, you didn't get a transfusion. You know, you lost 40% of your blood. That's where most people die. So another small miracle there. And then he told me that uh, my blood work came back really good. My body was already producing a crazy amount of like platelets and white blood cells or whatever. Um, so despite the way I treat it, my body works really well. Another small miracle there. <laughs> Um, but afterwards, when they released me, it was really difficult to get back to, to, to reality. It was hard to kind of pick up the thread again. And over time, I came to realize it was because the person who I was, the concept of the person who I was, had been kind of shattered that night. Um, and it wasn't someone that I'd ever thought about. It was a story I'd been told over and over again. And it's a story that I think most young people are told, especially young males, is that you're a hard partying, brash, fearless young man. And, uh, and I just believed it, and I didn't think anything, you know? Um, 
And I realized that that's not true. I was terrified. And not of getting stabbed again, because like, what are the odds? But just like that <laughs> existential fear. Like, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Panic. And so out of sort of that knee-jerk panic of, oh my god, I could get hit by a bus today. I uh, sold most of my stuff, um, saved up money, and bought a ticket to go to Chengdu, China, where my girlfriend at the time was living and studying Chinese. Um, I went over there, I spent the better part of 2015 there, um, sort of falling in love with Asia and falling in love with her, and that panic eventually turned to purpose, which is great. But before this starts to sound like too much of a motivational speech, <laughs> It hasn't been all great. <laughs> There's been a lot of speed bumps along that road, and every day I'm still kind of scheming and trying to bend my life into a picture that I want it to be through, I guess, just kind of force of will more than anything. Um, but as the crux of what I'm saying tonight is that sometimes it doesn't take a lot but for someone who was as stubborn and oblivious as me, and I use the past tense here more out of hope than confidence, <laughs> sometimes it can take um, a devastating and violent force to finally fray and break the thread of the story that you're constantly told before you can pick up the thread of the one that you want to tell. Thanks, Aaron, for telling that story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share the stories with your friends. And if you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to ravennarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there and find out what the themes will be at upcoming events. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Special thanks goes to our sound engineering wizard, Mike McAllister, for his technical expertise in recording and mixing the Raven narrative stories told at the Sunflower Theater. Support for the Raven narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com.